He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here as I am every week with the delicious, always optimistic Alexia Cristina Postelidis. Hey, Alex. <laughs> Hi, everyone. How are you doing this morning? What's on your mind? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked because, as you know, we Greeks invented parties and rituals, right? Mm-hmm. And so we know, we know, we know it's it's going to be that way for all time. But this morning, <laughs> I woke up thinking, uh-huh. Okay. Okay. It and means, means it means be nice to your sister. I'm always nice to my sister, but... You know, I bet you are. I bet you are, but not all brothers are. Now, you you have to be nice to your sister because she won't be nice back, right? She This phrase is only uttered to boys, by the way. Only oh. to boys. Because in the world of Greeks, we girls are expected to do everything for the men in our lives, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of that proverbial bone of respect we get. Okay. Be nice to your sister. She won't iron your shirts. She won't be your date to the prom. Things like that. Now, you're probably, why is this important? So my third cousin, Theodoro, he was being a real jerk to his sister. I mean, class one, a jerk, right? His mom, Thea, kept warning him to be nice, but he wouldn't stop. Okay. Theodoro was head of several clubs at his Rhode Island high school. He was head of the soup kitchen club, the chess club, the investment clubs. So naturally he was chosen to head the prom committee. And his sister, who was supposed to be his prom date, decided not to go with him because he was being such a jerk to her. Now you're thinking, okay, why is this a big deal? It's his sister, who cares, except she was very, very popular, head cheerleader, beautiful, sweet. Everybody loved her. And by bringing her to the prom, he figured he'd finally get in with the cool kids. Mm. But she didn't go. Mm. So without her, he was just nerdy Theodoro. Mm. So the football players locked him in the bathroom, dunked mm. his head in the toilet, mm. tore down all the decorations. He worked so hard making with his nerdy little hands. And Yaya, as Yaya is wont to do, knew something was wrong. She just knew it. She had that feeling. So she showed up to the prom with his sister, right, in tow, pans of Spanakopita, threatened them to leave the Otoro alone or she would curse their unborn children. God only knows, but it worked. So the next thing, both Theodoro and Yaya are on the dance floor, dancing to the electric slide, and everything was good. Oh, God. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. Oh, my goodness. Even the sister ended up having a good time, so that's a good thing. So, what's on your mind today? (laughs) 
Well, as it turns out, uh, I have a tip. Let's get tipsy! If, in fact, you are planning to have a party with dancing or just a dance party and you want to build a musical playlist that will appeal to all of your guests, all the ages of your guests, if you will, then this is my tip. Next to each guest's name, estimate when they were in high school or college, and then extract music from those years. The reason being when we're in college and high school, those are what we call the romantic years. Very little, uh, very little responsibility, a lot of chance to have fun. Those are the those are the years of our lives that when we look back, we look back and romanticize. So to invite people to the dance floor, engage them and get them excited to dance, you revert back to those years and you use the music that was popular in those years. That's it. Easy as pie. I love it. My thank you. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you! Who do we have with us today? <laughs> so our guest today has worked in every component of hospitality and now freelances as a senior project manager and event producer. She's worked with companies like Google, Univision, and Nike, just to name a few. She is an organizer, strategist, and empathetic leader, and I love that so much. She's also worked with her friend, who, had, and I'm very jealous about this, who had a taco truck called Montaco. I hope I'm saying that right. Helping with catering and events. So she helped initiate involvement in best things to eat at the beach. This was at the Ritz during South Beach Food and Wine with oh. Andrew Zimmerman, um, or Zimmer, Zimmer, right? Zimmer, yeah. Um, and he selected their truck and was their celebrity chef. So finding the joy in the journey, please welcome the facilitator of fun, Joy Diaria. <laughs> Hi, Joy. I love that intro. <laughs> so energetic. <laughs> well, so are you. Uh, at times. <laughs> well, you have to have energy to do all, all the things that you do. Yes. Yes, and you do. One of the reasons why we're so happy to have you on the show today is you really do exemplify somebody in the in the industry who has pretty much done it all. You've seen every side of the house. You've worked in every house possible. And uh, so I thought it'd be great to interview you, talk to you about all of those experiences, because uh, as we talked earlier, all of those make you the professional that you are today. And so before we get into any of that, though, just to give the audience a bit more about you, do you mind playing a little game we call 10 Quick Questions? 10 Quick Questions! 10 Quick Questions? Yay! Oh, fun. Okay. Let's right, do you, it. You have two minutes on the clock. Alex will be watching. Mm -hmm. I have 10 questions. They're very simple questions. We're just looking for your answer. Are you ready to go, Joy Diaria? I am ready to go. All right. And we begin. Question number one, Joy Diaria. Do you believe in miracles? I do. What do you love most about what you do? 
the people. When was the last time you tried something new? Yesterday. Mm, what was it? Um, I'm learning SEO marketing. That's <laughs> good for you. <laughs> What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about you? Dance. Love it. Pick one. Award show or beauty pageant? Award show. What is the most memorable live concert show or festival you've ever experienced? Uh, Florence and the Machine. Amazing. Really? Yeah, she has one of the most epic voices. So. Wow. That's from left field. Thank you for that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what do you think about while you're driving? Um, generally it's my time to listen to music and just kind of let my imagination run. There you go. <laughs> Never mind anybody else who's out there. I'm engaged. It's autopilot. I am I I come from a family of drivers. I've done cross country, I think, four times in the last five years. So Oh God bless. Wow. Oh my lord. <laughs> okay, if Mickey Mouse weren't famous, would you have him over to your house for dinner? Sure. <laughs> she says hesitantly. <laughs> Might not feed him, but he could come. <laughs> Joy, have you ever done drag? Um, I have not, but okay. uh, I have hosted drag shows. Oh, good. Okay, so you're just you're you're like one de one degree of separation away from actually doing drag then. <laughs> and finally, what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing? A uh, negative self-talk. As much as I work on it, I think if you really care about what you're doing, you're always so hard on yourself mm. when others. So, thank you for that. I I have a theory that those of us who are the meanest to ourselves usually end up doing more because we're just on ourselves so much. Yes, yes, no, it is true, but. I don't know. When I get really mean to myself, I end up in bed with the covers over. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to go back to miracles. You yes. believe in miracles. What makes you believe in miracles? Um, well, I grew up in a, a family with my father was a minister. And then my mother is an educator. Very interesting backgrounds to grow up among. And um both of them have experienced miracles, I think, in their lives directly. So, and just, you know, kind of seeing how I, I'm a big believer in kind of the tapestry of life. You don't really see the quilt till the end. There's been so many moments in my career. I'm like, why am I doing this? How is this going to push forward? And then five years later, I'm like, that's why I learned that. That's mm -hmm. why I made that mistake. So those are all you know, maybe it's not a big miracle to some, but it's, these are little miracles in life that I think the more you notice them, the more it's, you're kind of connecting to that intuition in yourself. So that, that is sage advice for people. Yes, it it's, it's really about a state of mind, mm -hmm. isn't it? About yeah. looking for the miracles and deciding that things are happening in that kind of way. Yeah. And there's really nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, it's upbeat and positive and, and is helpful in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, no, I well, think. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about, tell us a little bit about what you do. Now that I've said you've done everything, 
about <laughs> what, what, what is everything all? encompass right, really um so right now i am uh i work pretty regularly with uh two sister agencies van wick and van wick and workshop worldwide in uh, new york um so i'll freelance for projects um but i do other i am open to other agencies and have worked for a variety but uh as you said i started my journey into events from hospitality. I worked in hospitality for 10 years um, and I started from the ground up. I did everything from waitressing to managing to um, general manager, to running a nightclub, uh, to then helping oversee um, a ballroom with events that were kind of music showcases. So you really, I got to see the evolution of events on properties I worked at and knew it was a direction I wanted to go. And so then moved into events and in the event realm, I tried um, experiential tours. So I've done that across country with different brands. Um, I've done some wedding stuff, uh, working in-house at resorts or, so I've tried all different facets. I've launched catering. I worked with a craft group when they were thinking about launching catering in some bigger spaces in New York. Um, and that was really navigating the logistics of trucking across Manhattan and setting up shop and events anywhere in the city is definitely not for gun shy, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the wrong term to phrase it, but it's, you got to just get in there and, and get it done. So um, wow. I think, I think all those things kind of contributed to me understanding what goes into different projects, knowing how to relate to staff. And, uh, and as I've, you know, uh, grown in the industry, I've really now tend to lead more with like the overall project management or planning with a team. Um, and it can be of any size or shape. So the one I'm working on now is a big, uh, a big conference at Lincoln Center. Mm. So when we met, you were working with Van Wick and Van Wick on a very big wedding that was happening simultaneous to a wedding that we were working on, which is very yes. funny. And you were also working with a corporate group, uh, a, a healthcare group. Yes. And what what I found really fascinating about you when I first met you is I thought you were a show producer because you came with the uh, the expertise, you know, with <laughs> about flow and what should follow what and what an audience will. Uh, be able to, you know, what what an audience will listen to, you know, when it's too much to give them yeah. you you came with that and it was thoroughly impressive because yeah. quite honestly i don't see that very often most people think about what's happening on stage as something happening in another universe that i just don't really know how to make work but you you have a feel for that <laughs> now where did that come from um i mean i could say as early on as staging shows for my church when i was little or um, always loving theater but then also a lot of the nonprofits that i worked with you know they don't have the budgets for um a lot of stage managers or other things so i kind of learned how to call shows i've been a voice of god I've, I remember doing for one nonprofit at an auction house, having to introduce royalty and didn't know I had to get everyone to stand. So kind of figuring that out in the moment and um, <laughs> things like that, you know, you, um, I've always been someone just whether for good or for bad, sometimes I'll just jump right in and 
you know, I've learned from mistakes over the years, but I think now I'm to a point I understand content and trying to put it in a, a format. And I also appreciate what you do um, in how difficult that can be when you have a lot of screens or um, things showcasing on a stage and how, how much focus that means. So making sure that that person has everything they need to really make that a smooth process because that's your team member. That's commute essentially like a, the choreographer of the show. Right, so, right. yeah. You know, thank you for that. It, it really is symbiotic. <laughs> you have to work with each other very well yeah. to, to extract the kind of show that you want. What would you, and this is, you're not prepared for this question. So okay. take a moment if you need it. What would, <laughs> what would you recommend to somebody who would like to call shows or be on that side of the house as a show caller, what would be some of the things you might recommend they do? Um, I think, you know, being, um, working in conjunction with music performances, I think will teach you a lot about audio and just kind of sound lighting for different shows. And I learned that kind of outside of the fact from great techs and AV staff that I would just ask questions. And so, um, and then, uh, working with a good stage manager, just assisting them and kind of seeing, you know, how they want to instruct people and, and what really is helpful to those going on stage and how to speak to them. So I think just really getting experience, um, in different facets, uh, but I, I found learning from the music component in nightlife taught me a lot. Like you really stepped in and, and helped out where you, you likely were not expected to just to get this experience. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. I think I've always been willing, um, you know, uh, to just kind of jump in and try things. And I'll look for, I, I actually said this to one of our younger staff members at Van Wick when we were working at a bigger wedding abroad. I said, uh, she asked me for feedback. And I said, one of the things you should always be doing is looking for ways you can support. Even if it's something that you don't know, just say, what can I do to help you? And the more that people see you're doing that, the more that you're going to be requested, asked for, and the more you're going to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think that was always my mindset is just, where can I help? What can I do? So do you and, find, uh, I'm sorry, Anthony, but do you find that that's, it makes the event more fun for you as well when you get to go, oh, wait, that person over there needs help, napkin folding or whatever it is, you yeah. know, but you, you get to experience, is that more joyful for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I like all the components that go into an event. So I've liked learning, you know, everything from putting together a table design. I've curated a, like art um, auctions. So seeing how they're laying it out on the wall and, uh, you know, working with someone that's focused on that. So I think all those things are, you know, I uh, I would say you have acumen in a lot of areas when mm -hmm. you work with events. So um it really is just always be looking to learn. You nice. really, you really do develop acumen in, in a variety of uh, areas when you're, when you're doing events, if you, yeah. if you put yourself out there and you're willing to learn, I, I have to say, I know many a planner who couldn't tell you the first thing about a lighting cue or instrument or audio 
or anything that's happening on stage because they haven't taken the time to invest and learn what's happening. And it's it it becomes an issue because if you don't know, then you're sort of in a place where people will tell you what it needs to be. And then your tushy is on the line for something you really can't control. And you can make suggestions. There's often when you work, not that if you're bringing in ancillary like vendors, they're they're going to suggest things. But if you've seen it or had involvement in it, you can say, well, I saw this somewhere or even like photos, mood boards, all those things help that vendor. And if you haven't kind of inserted yourself in more of these. And I think that's one area and kind of working in so many components of events, my nightlife background, um, you know, working in experiential activations on all over the country. You you learn about a lot about what uh what you can and can't do and what you can suggest. So when you're working on an event where is your focus mainly? Is it on the tasks? Is it on the final product? Is it on the demographic and the audience that you are planning to engage? Where do you focus to make um, sure you're making the right decisions for the event? I think it depends on my role. For this one, you know, I am a project manager and client liaison for this event that I'm currently on. So my current focus is the client and making sure I'm communicating everything that we're doing in real time and kind of how that end result is going to be. So kind of making sure that they understand the steps to get there for like their vision. And then um I would say there's other times where I'll be much more focused on content and things if that's something where they need support. So it it really goes to that when you're creating a scope of work with a client, where do you where do you need the help and what and really defining out that role in advance. And it and I always do make suggestions. I mean, when I was working with the the healthcare team um on the conference, there was things that grew in the initial scope discussed. And I'm always open to that, but I'll kind of bring it up. And it's always good to have a starting reference point. And I think sometimes planners don't do that. Agencies do a lot. Um, and I, I think even an individual planner, even if you don't want to call it that scope, like kind of define on what your role is, what you're doing so that it help it helps. It's like a job description, anything Anytime you write something like that for yourself, you tend to be more focused and understand it better. When you work with, with corporations or companies, do you ever find yourself working with internal planners? Oh, 100%. I mean, right now the company I'm working with is, is massive and they will have um, a variety of teams that I'm uh, communicating information to different teams and uh, they're all planning different components. So it can be uh, being the main project lead or client liaison is just a lot of follow-up tracking and making sure everyone is on the same page. <laughs> Do you ever have uh, situations where you know what needs to be done and one of those little groups just doesn't and doesn't want to listen to you, listen to your sage advice? <laughs> Um, yes, there is always going to be pushback. 
Um, and you know, the best you can do is kind of reiterate your position in a kind way and really try and give supporting evidence to the fact. Um, but you know, sometimes clients need to make their own mistakes to learn from them. So that's one thing I've had to come to terms with in projects where I was frustrated with an end result because of something that I had suggested or wanted to do and they didn't do, but, um, and that's, so be because you say you're hard on yourself, you know, and you're the neg you say the negative self-talk at the end of the day, when that's happened, what do you do? What, what goes on in your mind? Cause now I'm very I, curious about that. I think now I would approach it in that's something to really, um, talk through in a recap and always make sure that mm -hmm. that conversation is out there, that that's in writing and that it's like a mutual understanding between parties. Um, but I think when I was younger, it would take it a lot more to heart. So you just kind of learn as you do it more and more of different ways to adapt to that, to seeing um, maybe it not exactly as you had envisioned, but having to make accommodations for a client. So. Nice. Have you ever had a client come back and say, you know, Joy, you were right. We should have done it that way because I don't think I've ever had that happen. <laughs> no, you know, I don't think I've ever had that. But maybe like at the end, if you're doing a recap, they say, you know, maybe we will try it that way next time or something like a more casual <laughs> reference to right. it. Non-committal. Non right. yeah. Again, maybe. a proverbial bone. For right, yeah. right. Yeah. When do you decide and if you decide that then, you know what, maybe that's not the right event for you. Do you ever get to a mm. point or have you ever gotten to a point where you've just said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm having no effect here? Um, at times, I mean, I would say uh, a lot of that, it can be harder at the higher level when there's a lot of things piecemealed with different individuals and you feel like, where is my impact? Like, am I getting this across? So I think that's always a challenge with big projects and big corporations, because mm -hmm. there is a lot of red tape and, mm -hmm. you know, approval processes and making sure everything is buttoned up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's just something that comes with the territory. And so usually I will vary my projects now. So I'll do a few conferences, I'll do a few weddings, and that helps me not feel so tied into one. And it also keeps me fresh, you know? Just it also of... keeps you working. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear about that. I had this discussion with somebody just yesterday that if you can find work, not only in the corporate, but in the association market and in the social market, then you have a better chance of working through some of these issues that we see ourselves in. Not so much a pandemic because that infect, that affected everyone, but social business came back way before corporate business last yeah. year. So you were busy. You found yourself yeah. working because your, your hands are in a bunch of different pots, which yeah. And we're very, and you know, I've been very busy, but I am already looking to the year ahead because, you know, financial markets, a lot of, there's a lot of things out there. So it's, you know, bracing yourself and understanding that, okay, I'm going to pivot and make sure I have some social on the mm -hmm. calendar for the Good year. For you. I also like, you know, I like the weddings. They can be very fun and creative and personable in a way that corporate sometimes isn't. So 
I like variety. <laughs> well, pardon the pun, but it sounds to me like you find the joy in the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something to I be do. joyful in everything that you do, right? You can find it if yeah. you look for it. Yeah. I have so a what, fun job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think, and I think, you know, with a name like Joy, you better be joyful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told that my mom that it was a lot of pressure to live up yes. to when I was yes. like eight. I said, mom, you cannot why? be a dark cloud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you cannot be a wednesday and be named joy um or a new york or or new york right what does success or successful event look like to you um just looking at the people in attendance and seeing them enjoying it connecting with each other um having a client see that it's achieved a result they wanted as an initial goal so Um, you know, those are the two things underlying, like, I think that is the main reason for events. It's a gathering about a connection, whether it's for a business need or, you know, you're selling something or you're showcasing a brand, you know, it's a means of connection and have you connected to that audience. And usually you can, you can see that on people's faces. Like that's why planners that are really type a and can't pivot in the moment like hey the music needs to change or let's move this people are overcrowded in this area like people that are really aware of the run of show and i think working in food and beverage and nightlife was such a training ground for that because mm-hmm. you're constantly adopt adapting to real life things that there was no plan for <laughs> every night was not planned you had no idea who was coming so Um, you problem solved in a lot of ways. And I think that really taught me to manage a run of show differently than a lot of planners I've worked with. Are your clients still debriefing or some of them letting that part go? Um, Debriefing at the end of it? Yes. Um, Yeah, usually there's always something, um, whether it's a call or, you know, sending a recap or circulating things that we add notes to. Um, Usually there's some facet of it. Some people are more, you know, depending on how busy things are at an agency or the project that I'm working on, if they're moving right into something else, it might be a very brief Mm -hmm. recap or debrief, but I mean, I always push for it because I think it it's something you always want to have as reference. Mm-hmm. And I know the agency that I work with now that's even doing a big recap memo or having that on record is really important to them. So, Especially when you're working in perpetuity with somebody, with a client, because the, the goal is to increase the... Uh, the savoir faire, to make the, the event better... Uh, yeah. to work on some of the things that maybe didn't work the first time. You know, that's the point, right? 100%. Yeah. So you need that reference. So I think you, and it helps you maintain a relationship if you can always reference things and build on it and they see improvement year over year. So. If you could ask your clients to do one thing and know oh. that they would follow through with that request, what what would it oh, be? Wow. Huh. Um, I don't know one thing to ask a client they would, um, maybe, uh, I guess I feel like sometimes you send things into a void. So always kind of letting me know, 
a response or um, like we're thinking about this or, you know, that that can be hard when you're working on a big project and have a lot of moving parts to constantly having to be um, following up on things. So just being responsive, even if you don't have the full full answer or mm -hmm. idea yet, I think that can be helpful for a planner because they can say, okay, this is where they're at. So kind of always you know, if you're running a project, you need to always know the temperature of your client mm. from, yeah. Do, do you find yourself having to uh, respond faster these days than you know, previous? Uh, I, I do think that's something I have always um, wanted to, to make sure that I am within 24 hours responding to a client and, and handling things. You know, I think when you're in the throes of it and there's a lot of things on timelines, yes, immediacy is very important. But um, I do think, you know, a standard 24-hour response time, 48, if it's a little farther out, like if it's an event that's not happening in six months, people are understanding to an extent because I've, I've, I think actually since the pandemic, people are more aware of their time. They're mm. more aware of like, having their own time and uh, a little more balance. I think that is one thing that I've seen a little bit more of in working with clients on the corporate level. Did so the lines blur at all for you after the pandemic? You know, just as far as, because that's one thing I think I found that the lines between personal and work tent, it blurred a little bit. Did that yeah. happen for you or no? Yeah, I mean, that's always going to be blurred when you are freelancing, because I think you have to build out your own routine. I mean, even for me, we moved. Um, we were a pandemic move. So setting up a space so that I felt like I was going to a desk and, you know, giving yourself finding structure so that it's separating. I'm doing personal things now. I'm doing work things now. So I think that is always something you have to think about when you're freelancing. Oh yeah. yeah, you really have to be able to manage your own time and compartmentalize in that way or, or the, you can find yourself without work or just in the weeds all of the time. All the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very hard. Are, are you finding that, you, you mentioned earlier that you're focusing, I think you said you were focusing on next year already for business to make sure that it's coming in. Are you getting business that much in advance anymore? Are you working on 2024 business? Um, not 2024. I'm still filling out the end of the year for 2023. But yeah, I mean, I I have some people, enough people that I've kind of regularly worked with in the past that I'll I'll reach out to them and, you know, do you have anything interesting coming up? And I also try and balance it too. Now, um, you know, if there's one project where I'm running as lead, and then there's other projects where more I'm a support project manager. So it's not always feeling like you never have a breath. I think you kind of have to, and th that just comes from experience is understanding, um, understanding the rhythm that you can work under. So, um, and I think I, it, 2022 was a very busy year for me. So I think I'm prepared to have a little more time this year of to myself. So again, that's amazing yeah. that 22 was such a busy year for you. And again, that that is testament to your ability to do very many things. Yeah. 
uh, and to work in a variety of of industry related areas like social yeah. and blah blah blah. Um, we touched a little bit about on this, but how does work life balance look to you? When when are you feeling really centered with regard to work and your personal life? Um. I mean, I, I think right now I'm, I, cause I have just gone back to full-time freelancing in the last year or so. I, after the pandemic, I took a, a more full-time role with an agency. So I think now that I'm freelancing, I've started to get like that balance back again, but, um, what was it? It's what was the balance? Is that what the main question? How does it look to you? Like what, when you're in, when you're in your happy place, and you're feeling balanced. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, you know, having work to do, but being able to enjoy some things in the evening, not working till eight or 10 at night, you know, and I'm, I'm a person I can totally push through and have a crazy month, but then I kind of know I like to have like that moment, you know, I did three back-to-back -back major projects in the fall and the same in the spring of 2022. And that's a lot when you're going into barely having a beat in between because you're trying to do follow-up and everything. So that can be really, um, you know, and it's, it's feasible for me and I don't mind doing that, but, um, you know, this year, I think I'm going to try and see if I can make it a little more paced out because, you know, it's life. You want to enjoy it. It is. And that is actually one of the more difficult challenges in this world. You mm -hmm. can't pick when your clients are going to decide that they're going to have an event and they need you. Yeah. Very, very rare is it when a client will, will say, when are you available? Because we're about to have an event and we want to make sure you're there. Yeah. Right. No, it's, true. it's usually the very opposite. And, and quite honestly, I think we are the people that are usually thought of last, you know, okay, let's figure this all out. And then we'll call the planners in. And by that point, you're already a little behind the eight ball, because a lot of things have already been determined that may not be prudent, right? So how do you walk into something like that? Um, well, fortunately with like, uh, the way a lot of the agencies that I work with, they'll be involved in kind of, a, a conceptualization of the event. So we're designing the concept and helping with what is going to showcase content or other things. So at, at that point, you can't, you have a say in that development. So I think to me, that's important because, I, I can come in on later in a project and support a month out, no problem. But I, I think there's always better to have that connectivity from start to finish. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, um, and I guess that's how the client is approaching you and what do they just need someone to kind of run a timeline for them and make sure everyone is tracking on a project. Okay. That's a very different ask than someone that's like, we want you to, create this space and have it look totally different. And we want to see creative ways to showcase content that highlights this new product where, you know, so those are all things that it, it really is going to depend on the type of event. I think that you're, you're doing and you're the dealing role. with how much yeah. educating are you doing these days? You work for agencies. So the, the assumption is the people that work in those agencies know what they're doing. But clients don't always know what's 
what they're doing. And there are times when you're working with new people that have just joined an agency and are green. So, you know, I'm asking this because events have come a long way since we started, started this thing. Right. So are you still finding that you're educating clients? Yeah, there's always new things, especially with the technology side. I mean, I think doing, um, actually producing some virtual, full virtual conferences um, online throughout the pandemic, running events virtually, like, I mean, that opened up a whole new realm of like learning platforms, understanding a different aspect of timing and things. And I think that's actually a lot more labor intensive. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot you have to think about when you can't be in front of a person. So um, I think that made me think and learn a lot. It was a good, you know, for good or for bad, just really revisiting different platforms, different ways to to make a website for an event that is quick and easy for a client, you know, different things like that. So I think for me, I, I do like learning. And um, I mean, even now kind of uh, another pivot and enhancing things in your real house, I'm, I'm wanting to learn more about um, SEO and kind of doing that tagging things on websites. Cause that ties into the marketing of events. So I, I kind of always like to have, if I'm not in the complete throes of a project, maybe a, a virtual class or learning mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm taking or doing. I think it just keeps you, keeps your brain triggered and turned on. Mm-hmm. So that, that leads me to this question about hybrid events. Are you doing any? Have, are you hearing about any that are actually happening? You know, um, I this conference will um, will stream some. I don't know all. We haven't really gotten into the nitty gritty of all of that with them yet because um, they have some internal teams that will be running it. But yeah, I mean, I think people um, people are excited to be back and in person, but they're understanding that they can have a broader reach if they have a live stream component or maybe, you know, have recorded content available in a catalog. That's like a different tier, like for access. So I I do think that is something people think about, but I think now we have gone back to really the focus being in person again. So is that a misstep in your mind, Joy? Um, I, I, we have short memories, I think, sometimes as humans. And it's like, no, 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 just a few years ago. So I, I do think, um, you know, I, I, it's important to stay fresh on those things because mm-hmm. I think, it, I mean, online is only going to grow. Right. I mean, remote work is only going to grow. Right. So, um, yeah. I have to say, I, I feel the same way. This this is the point when we should be investing in hybrid. Not everybody, but those those uh, events that really could pull in a bigger audience and and have the legs to do it. And I'm finding that clients aren't really going there yet. They want to avoid the expense. Yeah. Whereas I would call it really at this point an investment because. Not everybody is doing it, and there's there's a lot of money being left on the table now, whereas when we need it to happen again later, should this occur again, it's too late. Yeah. Next time, you're behind the eight ball if you're not yeah. ready to go with hybrid, right? 
So uh, I'm glad to hear you say that too. I couldn't agree with you more. Just uh, just in case you were wondering if I agree, the whole audience was wondering if I agree. I, just I was just really wondering that. <laughs> Everybody wonders that all the time. So what is next for you? You say you're working on something. Can you can you give us a little bit more information about what it is without? Um, so it is a conference at uh, Lincoln Center for um, a high profile company um, that's just a focus for their global CEOs. So um, it's a, a, an intimate experience for them just to really um, make them feel like part of the family of that company. So mm. I think um, sounds like fun. I know it, it will be. I want to go. One. Yeah, it sounds like fun. <laughs> so, um, so that. That is next, and then uh, most likely a wedding in the spring, and um, yeah, we'll see summer potentially another conference for planning for fall. So now the wedding in the spring, I'm assuming that's not in Rhode Island. It is not. So um, that will actually be uh, most likely. I am still waiting for final confirmation on that, but oh, upstate no. it's New York. Oh. Upstate New York. I was thinking you were going to say somewhere really not exotic. exotic. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I you know, um, I had the potential to do something in Jamaica or this corporate one, and uh, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, should I have gone Jamaica? But I'm happy to do the corporate. I hadn't done mm. the corporate in a while, so so um, sm small and intimate or big and bodacious. Which do you prefer most <laughs> to for work weddings? On? To um, as an event to for, work on it. So I, I mean, and the private sector, I love the big and bodacious because it's just fun. You're never going to see budgets like that in corporate. So, you know, if you want to create a magical experience that's once in a lifetime, a big budget private event, social gathering or wedding, you're going to get to do crazy entertainers, cool yes. backdrops, custom sets, builds. So, I mean, that's always way more exciting sometimes, mm -hmm. um, but on a personal level, I really enjoy attending small, intimate weddings and think that is the way to go. <laughs> I would have a small and intimate wedding if I were going to get yeah. married for sure. But for work purposes now, you know, I think um, for doing this, I love to see elaborate productions come together. So we need more of those now. Live production. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, so we've come down to the nitty gritty. We only have a few minutes left and we know that you're very busy. So we're going to get to our Belotified sure. Five. <gasps> the Belotified Five. Okay, these are five ominous questions. <laughs> Profound. <laughs> yeah. Already. First one. Joy, what is your golden rule? What rule do you live by? Um, or rules? I'd say lead with empathy and kindness. You know, um, just nice. really respecting that everyone, I mean, I have had so many bussers or support staff or technicians that they really do the nuts and bolts that make the event happen. Um, you know, our florists and productions crews at the agency, I mean, they put in so many hours to create these beautiful designs and you might've coordinated that with the client, but they're making it, bringing it to fruition. So just really, um, Giving them kind words, notes of appreciation. And uh, you also important. lead with respect, if you don't mind me saying you you give a great deal of respect in advance, which is really sweet because uh, it sends a message that you 
you believe that somebody will do a good job that you're invested in them until of course they don't. And then, you know, yes. things change, but it's, it's always great to meet somebody who does that. So what is one of your daily habits you strongly believe contributes to your success? What do you do daily that contributes to your success? Um, I think I'm a reader. I read every morning. Um, so, you know, whether it's a book, my parents might suggest or something for, you know, I try and carve out 30 minutes for reading, but I think when I'm on a project, um, the things that help me be successful is I really review things right before I go to bed that are things that I want to think more on. I really do think we think about things when we dream and I will often wake up with an answer or have a new way of, I, oh, maybe I should write that out or I need to respond to this. So I think that's something I do. And um, instead of reading in the morning when I'm maybe traveling for a project, taking 20 minutes to do yoga or just take a moment of stillness. So I think those are little habits that I've curated that um, really helped me. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. Um, what are the things that you tell yourself? I think we heard a little bit about this earlier when no one is listening. Uh, you know, it's, I, I am a Gemini. So I always say I have an angel and a demon. So I have things <laughs> that like on that. one shoulder. So <laughs> I have someone that's telling me like, uh, you're doing great. Like just, you know, keep moving forward. Let's do this. And that positive peppy person that you see leading a team. And then I have a person like, why didn't you do it that way? Like, <laughs> so it can be a very interesting, um, for good or for bad, but I think it does keep me on top of things and, um, it helps keep me in balance as a leader. It sounds like you might argue with yourself quite a bit. <laughs> I talk to myself. I, I, I do. I, you know, and I say a lot and sometimes reading out loud, I'm a tactile learner. So reading emails, needing to read something through out loud, mm -hmm. you know, those are all things that I, there's nothing wrong with that in my mind. Joy, I tell myself, I argue with myself all the time. And it's just, it's sad when I lose, uh, yeah. <laughs> but it happens. It does. And it's not just sad for Alex. It's sad for everybody. <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I so appreciate what you're saying about being a tactile learner and mm -hmm. sometimes reading things out loud. Uh, I'm I'm in the same boat, and it feels so good to hear somebody else say that because mm -hmm. honestly, sometimes if I'm not reading it out loud, I'm not listening to what I'm not mm -hmm. really paying attention to what it is yeah. I'm reading. And I love the 30 minute a day rule. I am trying so hard to move myself out of reading the news in the morning into reading something that's much more productive. So if you have any, any thoughts or, yeah, I would love to know what they are. Um, uh, one book, my favorite book, yeah. I'll give a little shout out for event planners is the art of gathering by Priya Parker. Um, so it's a, it's a great book and she really talks, she was a global facilitator and like conflict, uh, resolution focus. So it's a very interesting take on gathering groups and events and finding, you know, making sure that you're answering questions, but I found it very insightful. Um, I actually had her, um, at an event in DC and was really struck by, um, it as a book, but that's one, I think it's always a good read. I've reread re it a few times. The Art of, of Gathering by Priya Parker. Gathering by yeah. Priya Parker. Yeah. 
Okay. I'm putting that on a list. <laughs> okay. What is the one change you'd like to see in the industry? Or what is one change you'd like to see in the industry, if any? Um, I, I'd like the industry to understand the value of events. Like, I, I guess, it, meaning, because it's always the first thing that's cut is events and marketing. But then it's one of the first things that when it's booming, they want to add more of. Right. So it's like, understand its relevance and just kind of hold tight. Like, there's going to be ups and downs in any industry and don't make us so ancillary. We're really a part of what helps you see mm -hmm. results in sales and, you know, relationships. So events are so, critical. Don't you feel even more now than in, in prior decades? Oh yeah. Cause people, you know, people struggle to connect. I mean, I think there's so many people now, even after COVID their whole social balance was thrown off mm -hmm. in such a way that, um, I think, making sure that people have memorable moments and connections at your events is more important than ever. So, and it's a global marketplace mm -hmm. too, right? So if you're, yeah. if you're buying for somebody's attention, you really have to key into them and provide some experience. Otherwise it's fly by night, right? You're there and then yeah. you're not there yeah. in the flash of an eye, you know? Um, so lastly, this, this is the, the million dollar question. Uh, <laughs> What is your why? What, why do you do this? Um, I do it. I remember uh, my, my English teacher saying to me when I was young, well, Joy, you can't just throw parties for all your way through life or part of your way through life verbatim. And I always struggled with her because she was a very, she had the same lesson plans for my year. She did for my brother four years. Oh. <laughs> she was not an adaptive person. No. So we butted heads a lot in that. But I would say, you know, take the thing you love. And I'd always love gatherings. I used to do stuff even when I was younger, organize our church Easter egg hunt or a costume party into it. And, you know, it, there's always a way to take something you love and make it something that you can do. And I think finding, you know, do you still enjoy it as much when you do it that professionally, or is it meant to be more just something you want to keep for your own? And I think the more you try things, the more you'll understand that. So don't be afraid to try. Nice. nice. It's yeah. beautiful. Thank you so mm -hmm. much. And you are not one to be afraid to try. What you didn't <laughs> tell people is when you were working in clubs, you were doing so in South beach. <laughs> Which, you know, if you know the club scene, that's a pretty chaotic club scene, or it used to be yeah. in South Beach. Uh, so you really did train, uh, you were thrown into the fire, I'd, I'd have to say, being aware of that club scene, knowing what it yeah. what it was, having been a part of it at one point, uh, you just, you know, trial by fire. Yeah, I think I, you know, it's been a combination of timing and just saying, well, well I'll do it, I'll learn it, I'll figure it out. <laughs> so. it, and you know what, I, I must say that that's a huge strength of yours it is. and and something that we, we yeah. can't take too lightly in this industry, because often in this world, you're going to be met with challenges that you don't know the first 
thing about having to figure it out. You know, now it's on your plate. And yeah. so, you know, the to to derive joy out of learning something new and and uh, expanding your horizons the way you do is exactly the right way to be successful in this business because you're not uh you know we don't have to worry that if we ask joy for something she's going to you know put her hands up and say no i'm not the right person or i couldn't do that or i can't or you know i i i hit this limitation and i hit this roadblock yeah. and i you know no, you want somebody who's gonna you know push through and find yeah. the answer and that is you joy diaria oh, that is you. so you thank you i it's like a, problem solving well, that is good to hear because <laughs> from what I understand, not giving too much away, but uh, this year at our mutual stomping ground, uh, you're All probably right. going to be busier if you're involved this year. Uh, I hear that there's going to be a bigger contingency from uh, our healthcare partner since we're in okay. their city. Yeah, and so, no. yeah. I I hope so. I would, I would be very excited to be back and working with you again and hopefully the same team. It was a good core group. And I think we got a lot done for our first year. So mm -hmm. fingers crossed. I just checked in with them in the new year, say happy new year. How are you? So could you just, when you check in with them again, remind them that there's a pig roast waiting for us when we come to Florida? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I, did, I did not forget that. I, I haven't have either. Forget. I'm ready for that. <laughs> Well, Joy, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing a bit about who you are and why you're so successful. You know, in this world, you don't have to be a known entity to be successful and to work and to be someone that people just love to work with. And that's you. And so yes, yeah. if you don't know Joy Diaria, you need to know her because she can help you out and always with joy. Always. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. Yes, and Yay. so was. Thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to connecting with you real soon. Hey, thank you for listening to Bellotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bellotified is a production of Bellotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bellotta. Stay engaging. Stay engaging.